0: Good morning, Crossroads. Good to see you this morning. We just wanted to uh, mention before we get going in worship that uh, if, if you're up in the balcony, if you'd like to take communion um, after our second song today, uh, as Eddie leads us in, you can go ahead and grab those communion cups today as you're getting prepared. So we wanted to kind of get you prepared for that as we go into that time, but uh, I'm so glad that you're all in the house this morning. And uh, what do you guys think about that weather out there? I'm telling you, we can worship about that yeah. and just give God our praise and thankfulness for that wonderful weather because I'm telling you, across the states, not everybody's getting that. We can be very thankful. Amen? Amen. Well, why don't we stand up and... Uh, sorry about that, Josh. Yeah, clicking smacking my in. guitar. He's smacking his guitar. <laughs> and uh, let's sing about the everlasting God.
1: Let's go.
2: seated if you're in the balcony and you want to go over to one of those tables and get a communion cup feel free to do that we're going to take communion here in just a moment together I always go back to this thought that how we are as humans and the celebrations and the festivals that we have every year and what a big deal Christmas is sometimes and uh, I think sometimes we even make it bigger than Easter it probably shouldn't be, you know. Jesus never, never asked us to remember his birth. Never really said anything about it, actually. But he did ask us to remember his death and his resurrection. And from time to time in our lives, we, we take communion to honor that, to reaffirm, recommit our, ourselves to Christ. As you and I both know, that we live in a polluted world, and we are flawed creatures. It's hard to be out in that wallowing around and not get some of it on you. And that's, that, that's the point. So this morning, uh, we're going to take communion, but I always go uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to verse 27. It's a word of warning that Paul gives us. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So if you would here, for just these next few moments, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. and I just want you to let that Holy Spirit take that bright light and search your heart. If there's any sin in there that needs to be confessed, you might do that now. If you've got any ills against your brother or your sister, you might take care of that. Lord, it would thrill me to no end to say this morning that all my brothers and sisters here, myself included, are perfect. But you remind us in Romans that we fall short. But well, we thank you, Jesus, for bridging that gap and between us, sinful man, and a holy God who is Jehovah, who is our Father, who loves us with no bounds, who sent you to die for us and to stand in the gap and be our perpetuation for sin. And we give you praise and glory for that today. So right now, Father, I pray that all of us here this morning, all of us believers, all of us that be- have put our trust in you and embrace you, yes. we might stand clean before you and between, before each other, Father, as we take this Holy Supper may it not be tradition lord but may it have great meaning to us personally in our own lives thank you for your body lord that was broken for us (laughs) that i might live in grace and your mercy and through the filter of jesus christ you do see me as perfect and that is hard for us to wrap our finite minds around but it is what it is and we thank you for it so right now father May this be a meaningful time for each of us. May it bring us closer to you and remind us how much you love us. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. For I pass on to you that which I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, my mind always goes to that song that old hymn walk and wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus and your blood that flowed down that cross on that day covered a multitude of sins and it still does I give you glory and praise and honor for that Lord may we not take that for granted may we not use grace for an excuse to listen to that stinking old nature of ours and do things we shouldn't Keep us straight in you Lord and we thank you again for your death and your resurrection that me and all my brothers and sisters here can leave live totally free thank you Jesus we ask it in your precious name amen in the same way you took the cup of the wine after supper saying this cup is a new covenant between God and his people An agreement confirmed as you drink it. For every time you eat the bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. The blood of Christ.
3: If Christians gave just this one area, just financially, the way that Jesus would want us to, it would have such an amazing effect on the whole world. And I'm not just talking about all the people we could help, you know, and feed and get them the water and everything else. I'm talking about the cynicism that we see towards the church in the United States. Flying out here, person next to me, just why does he reject God? I've seen it all. My buddy that came with me sat with another guy. Why doesn't that guy believe in God? Same type of thing. Everyone's pointing to these believers who, yeah, he calls himself Christian, but I don't see anything. They don't see a compassion. They don't see a love. They see us say that we hold to certain beliefs and a certain theology but they don't see us really loving people to the point where we give to them sacrificially. And I think just that one thing, because the world loves their money so much, that it really is shocking to them and a light to them. And they go, you really don't care. You just gave that away, joyfully. You really believe you're gonna be rewarded in the next life, you know, whether they believe it or not, at least now, They're rejecting a a true example. Um, Right now, there's just, people laugh at what we call church, what we call Christianity. And so if we could get churches to really seek to live out this kind of loving, generous giving, I think it's going to have a huge impact on the world. Jesus talked about money so much, so it doesn't make any sense to say, let's talk about spiritual things, not money. That's like, okay, so then Jesus wasn't real spiritual. You know, and no, he talked about it all the time. It's, Jesus was, when you, when you look at the things that he would say to people, he was very concrete. See, we like, in America, we like to make spirituality almost um, something you can't measure we we make it very abstract. Like, oh, I feel this. God, he's just in me. I just know it. You know, and and well, where's the fruit? You know, where's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? You know, the, the words that Jesus uses, the words that John uses, the words that James uses, is this like, well, you say this, you say this, kind of ethereal, abstract, oh, I love people. But scripture would say, but if you love them, you wouldn't just say, oh, I love you, go warm and be fed. You would actually give them some food and put some clothes on their back. It, you would do something practical, something we could see. And, and you, know, you and, and at the same time, he says, you're not gonna be like the Pharisees who do things just to be seen. And so we're not talking about that, but true true spirituality is going to lead to some sort of action. Like I, I'm trying to think, it may have been Amy Carmichael who said, you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I thought, Ooh, that's good. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it comes down to. We can say, Oh, I'm so loving this, that. Well, if you were, you would give.
4: Amen. There is um, an order of service that we we do. Um, We welcome in the brothers and sisters. That's kind of like the pre-game. We just uh, finished taking the Lord's Supper, which is a service in itself. Uh, we have just come out of a time of giving and a reminder of how we ought to give um, to the kingdom, how we're to sow to the Lord. And so now we we are going into, uh, about to go into worship. And that's a whole nother thing. Uh, It is when a body of believers come together uh, to get into the presence of God. And the Word of God says in the 95th Psalm, it tells us how we should come uh, prepared to enter into worship. Verse 1 Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing praises. Of, let, let us sing psalms and praises to him. For the Lord God is great. A great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the sea. And in this, uh, he holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the highest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Here it is. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are his people and he watches over his flock that is under his care. Oh, I can't get any more amens than that. Listen, as we reflect on the 95th Psalms, we are called into the presence of God. We are exalted to come with joy, thanksgiving, music, Song, we are to affirm that He is a great God, our Maker, our Shepherd. We are expected to be welcoming and to welcome into the presence of the Lord. And we have to understand that we are His flock and we are under His care, which is why we have been called to come together and to lift the name of Jesus and worship us. Are there any worshipers in the house this morning? Just give the Lord a few seconds of praise for all he has done for us. He is a great God, and he is our shepherd, and we are under his care. Bless his holy and divine name. Thank you, Crossroads. Appreciate you. Love you. Listen, now, uh, it is in vital importance here at Crossroads that when somebody comes and visits our house, we're to make them feel welcome. Amen? If somebody came over your house, knocked on your door, and you opened the door and let them in, would you not greet them? The Bible puts an extra onus on us. He says, you never know when you're entertaining angels. And so we don't want to be found mistreating any of God's angels. So when they come into the house and we don't recognize their face and we don't know them, it is our job to go to them and make them feel welcome in this house. Can we make our visitors feel welcome this morning? Amen, bless his name. We are so glad you are here to worship our Lord together. I'm only going to touch on a few announcements this morning, so please, please, ma'am, please, sir, get your bulletins and read them. Uh, the corn festival is coming up, 14th through the 17th. We've got two folks signed up. Two. And I know they can't do all that work by themselves, so let us help them. let's sign up. Next, baptism, September the 18th. If the Lord so moves on your heart, and you want to come under the protecting arm of our Lord and Savior, baptism will be available for you after our second service on September the 18th, amen? Look, let us love the Lord and worship him today. God bless you.
5: Wait. What if we were to take a step back and put things into perspective? We all have responsibilities. We have schedules and daily agendas. They require a plan, a scheme or method of action laid out in advance. But these plans, they begin to own us, to dictate our lives, how we spend our time. They begin filling up our lives with the things that we deem important, things that define who we are. But what about you? What's making up your agenda? What's your plan? Because there's a creator who knows you, loves you, and has a plan and a purpose for why you're here. He knows you so well that he even knows the number of hairs on your head. So why not give the agenda of your life to the one who's already made it.
2: Father, I come to you now and uh, as always there are um, people on a prayer list that we put there. And I just pray that we as the church that we are diligent to hold those names up to you. I pray for the Bradbury family this morning as they mourn the loss of their mother. I pray for my friend Cody. He's going through some struggles right now. I lift him up. I just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd fill him to the max, his situation, with his family as well. And, Lord, for Josh's best friend up north that's getting ready to leave this earth at a premature age, I just pray for his family, Father. I can't imagine watching your son die, and there's not anything you can do about it. But that's where our faith comes in, Lord, in the whole scheme of things, that the things we don't understand, we go to you for guidance and direction and for what little piece we can glean out of it. So I just pray for, you, for Ralph and Linda and Sean and that whole family right now, Father, that you would be close to them. I thank you for Lincoln, Lord, in his life, and as you get ready to get his room ready and holler at him, and he'll be out of here. Thanks for loving us, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being so good to us. For we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. The question is, after watching that video, do you know God's plan for you? Can you say with confidence on this fine September morning that you're 100% sure of what God has for you in your life, and you are on that path? Not looking around, but looking at Christ sitting on the beam of seat with your prize in his hand and going through life. And if you do know or you staying in step with God, you know, allowing the Holy Spirit to call cadence for you, left, right, left, right, turn left, turn right, go straight, stop, listen, do this, do that, I pray that that's how your life unfolds. That in the morning when you wake up, God's on the, the first thing on your mind. Lord, what, what do we got today? It always helps me to say a little prayer before my feet touch the floor, and do you know what that prayer usually consists of? Lord, save me from Eddie. <laughs> and you understand what I'm talking about. We, we, we still got that old nature. He sleeps between Diane and I. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's something you have to, you've got to nail him to that cross every day and it's a good thing to do that before you get out of bed. And nonetheless, we get up. And if you don't know God's plan for you this morning, I think the big idea is for you. You need to know God's plan for you. You need to know that. Amen. And I implore you to seek that. And, and I, I pray that you have a great desire to know his plan and to follow it. Yes, sir. Because that's where... Real life in the Spirit is found. We talk a lot about a comfort zone, like it's that rug. God blesses you a little in here by giving you salvation and grace and mercy, but the big blessings is when you step off that rug and you step out under faith, under the power of faith into the world. I've come to believe that some of the experiences God has, has allowed me to have that following Christ is an adventure of unparalleled excitement and fulfillment if it's obeyed and it's followed. And sometimes we think this. Well, you know what, Lord? I'm, I'm really not worthy enough for God to have a plan for me. But the prophet Jeremiah wrote these words for the children of Israel, inspired words that, that God told him to speak in the vernacular of the day so God's people could understand them. And I say this a lot because I, I, when you preach from the Old Testament, you... you you, you, we need to understand that we, the body of Christ, has been grafted into the family of God. It's not us and them. It's just us. God's words through Jeremiah have great meaning and worth for you and I today. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, mm-hmm. to give you a future and a hope. Yes, sir. Remember, friend, you are redeemed. You have worth to God. Regardless of your past, you are worth something of great value to our God. We've got to to keep reminding ourselves of that because the world won't. The world tells us how lousy we are, like the L, that we're losers and this and that and the other. We've got to keep in our minds our worth to God. Here's the amazing thing about God. Nothing shocks God or catches him off guard. He didn't panic when Adam sinned in the garden. He had a plan. That's right. He didn't freak out when the world grew so sinful that he had to send a flood to cleanse it and start over again. He had a plan. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't make him gasp. He had a plan. When Jonah ended up inside the whale, God wasn't thrown off. That's because God always has a plan, and he's got one for your life as well. Right. God has a plan. He always has a plan. In Jeremiah 29, we find the children of Israel in Babylon. They're in captivity because of the consequences of their sin. So God promised they would be there forever, that he would bring them home. It's interesting how he told them to live while in captivity, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 14. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, sends this message to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food you produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them and have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away and work for the peace and the prosperity of Babylon. Pray to the Lord for that city where you are held captive. For if Babylon has peace... So will you? You know, as I read this scripture this morning, this thought come to my mind. We, as the children of God, as the body of Christ, wherever we're planted, where we live in our neighborhood, we should bring blessing to that neighborhood because we're there, in a sense. Not to be arrogant, but the fact that we have we have something to share with them. We we will be good neighbors, hopefully. He goes on in verse eight. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Do not let the prophets and mediums who are there in Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. The truth is that you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity, restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. In these verses, God gives nine restoration promises to his children, and I believe they apply to us today. We who are in some form of captivity today, the captivity of consequences caused by our sin and disobedience to God, our Father. But regardless of what that captivity is, or regardless how long you've been there, first, God wants you to know that he wants to be there with you in that to help get you through it. And secondly, he wants to lead you out of it as you follow his plan for your life. I hope that makes sense. As I said, God is not shocked by some of the things that we say, do, or act. He knows us. And 30, over 35 years in the ministry, I'm pretty much the same way. It, with my life and the experiences I had, it, it's, it's hard for anyone to come in and sit across from my desk and shock me anymore. It, it, it breaks your heart, and there's tragedy in some of their stories, but as far as being blown out of my seat, that, that doesn't happen anymore because i have pretty much hurt it all. But one thing that amazes me, has amazed me the most as far as since I've been a follower of Christ, the people that have come, that has bowed the knee, given their heart to Christ, but they've not given him the thing that holds them captive, whether it's a habit, uh, a bad thought, the past, whatever happened. uh, Reputation doesn't matter. Man, they get up and they keep it and they walk through life And they try to follow Christ and they're still held captive when He wants us to be free, you see. I I want you to understand that. God is in the restoration business. He redeems, He restores you and I, just as He did His people Israel all those years ago. Here are nine promises that God made, and I duly believe this morning they apply to us. Verse 10 God promised, I will come, I will do all the good things I promised. I will bring you home again. Verse eleven, promise four: the plans I have for you are for good, enough for disaster to yeah. give you a future and a hope. Mm-hmm. Number five, and verse twelve: when you pray, I will listen. Yes, right. Verse thirteen, number six: you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Sometimes we seek God half-hearted. That's the problem. We don't give Him our whole heart. We just give Him a part of it. Verse fourteen is the last three promises: seven, eight, and nine. I will be found. I will end your captivity. I will bring you home in my time to my house. Regardless of your captivity, God has a plan for your life, and these promises are for you. Regardless of your spiritual state today, God has a plan for your life. Your plan is basically designed for you and you alone as his child. And the thing about his plan, it's customized for your life. Detailed, timely, well-oiled, perfectly orchestrated, and when you fully grasp it, it will thrill you, hopefully. Mm. It won't bring you down, but it'll make you happy to think that God has put that much confidence in you to do this. The Bible says he has plans to prosper, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Sometimes it's hard to see God's hand at work, isn't it? Mm. Especially when you got trouble knocking at your door in the form of a diagnosis you dreaded a runaway or a really disobedient child, a partner who wants out of your marriage or a financial setback you're not sure you'll survive, or a mistake or mistakes from your past that are trying to hold you captive and they keep coming up. We all struggle with this. We all got a past. Yeah. I've got a past, you've got a past. Right. I was sharing with Kurt this week that... <laughs> Sometimes I can't get over things that happened years and years ago. It's, it, it, Satan brings that up, and he messes with me with it. But that's, that's why we need to pray for each other and talk about these things. When the crisis you're facing makes you want to throw in the towel, remember this, our problems become God's opportunities. It's a chance for him to come in, to, and he loves to transform our most costly mistakes into pricely gems of wisdom our bruises and bleeding places into greater strength, and our deepest fears into unshakable faith. And once we start seeing them as part of his master plan, hopefully we will see that. God's master plan is to someday call us home to the Father's house. Jesus made this promise to his followers. I I say this a lot because you try to form this in your mind what it would have been like hanging out with Jesus. It's beyond anything I can imagine, actually. But can you imagine when he looked in the eye and said, you know what, boys? I'm only gonna hang around here so long, then I'm out of here. Can you imagine how much security they took from him, gained from him, just having him in their presence? Because they knew he could raise people from the dead. They knew he could heal people on the spot regardless of the disease. So it was kind of a a secure thing having him around. Because if he got hurt or whatever, hey, Jesus, I broke my arm. Can you fix it for me? You know what I'm saying? Is that kind of, and I'm sure that that's. So he told them he was leaving. Can you imagine their dismay? Using the term from the 60s, I think it probably bummed him out pretty good. So this is the promise that he gave him in John 14, verses 1 through 4. It's one of my favorite passages. It's one I use a lot when we have celebration for people going home. Don't be troubled. You trust now. Trust God. Now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know where I'm going and how to get there. And then you go into that discourse with Thomas. No, no, Lord, we don't have it. it. And it's when Jesus said in the sixth verse. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's my, that's my foundation. That is my rock in life. People have argued and debated religion with me for years. I always go back to that verse. No, it doesn't say anything about any other religions or people, prophets, whatever. Jesus himself, God with skin on, said, I am the way. No one, and that means absolutely nobody, right. comes to my Father except through me. I am the door. That's right. So that's how I see it. <clears throat> so until that day when our room is ready and God calls us home, we live life daily on this earth, the ups and the downs, the routine, call it what you will. But you never know what that life involves, do you? We've all been through tragedies. We've all been through accidents. We've all been through cancer. Maybe you're in it now, and death. We know what's coming. We're never ready for it, but it's there. And you and I, we can't sit and have a conversation around our tables today and, and say, this is, this is how my life's gonna play out. And I know exactly when God's got my room ready, and it, well, we can't do that, but we have to follow God's plan till that day. When I was a kid, around every Christmas, it seems like, or Thanksgiving, they'd have Wizard of Oz on TV. Do you remember that? I now mean, I watched it every stinking time. Them monkeys still scare me. I have to go hide in the closet when them monkeys come on. But... Anyhow, you remember at the end of that movie how she got home? Clicking in heels together. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. You ever thought about if that was that easy for us to go to heaven? Would any of us be here this morning? I don't know. I love you. I love my family. I love the church. But boy, if you had that held out to you this morning, you just click my heels and say there's no place like home and a into the presence of Christ. I don't know. God's not giving me that choice, but he has some people, and some people have chosen to stay. Apollo 13 was the seventh manned mission in the American Apollo space program, and the third intended to land on the moon. The craft was launched April 11, 1970 at 1313 Central Standard Time from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida but the lunar landing was aborted after an oxygen tank exploded two days later, crippling the service module upon which the command module depended. Despite great hardship caused by limited power, loss of cabin heat, shortage of drinking water, and the critical need to make makeshift repairs to the carbon dioxide removal system, the crew returned safely to Earth on April 17. The movie based on this incident was released on June 30, 1995. Tom Hanks played Jim Lovell, in this clip. And in this clip, it's an old interview that they had taken um, weeks before he went on this mission. It's kind of interesting, and I want you to listen um, to what he says. He talks about the faith of finding our way home. Let's watch.
6: Apollo 13 commander Jim Lovell has more time in space, almost 24 days already, than any other man. And I asked him recently if he ever was scared. Oh, well, I've had an engine flame out a few times in an aircraft and was kind of curious as to whether it was going to light up again, things of that nature, but, uh, they, they seem to work out. Is there a specific instance in an airplane emergency when you can recall fear? Uh, well, I tell you, I remember this one time. I'm, uh, I'm in a Banshee at night in combat condition, so there's no running lights on the carrier. Uh, it was a Shangri-La, and we were in the Sea of Japan, and my, my radar had jammed. And my homing signal was gone because somebody in Japan was actually using the same frequency and so it was It was leading me away from where I was supposed to be and I'm looking down at a big black ocean so uh, I Flip on my map light and then suddenly zap everything shorts out right there in my cockpit all my instruments are gone My lights are gone. and I can't even tell now what my altitude is Uh, I know I'm running out of fuel, so I'm thinking about uh, about ditching in the ocean and I I look down there and then in in the darkness, there's this, uh, there's this green trail. It's like a long carpet that's just laid out right beneath me, and it was the algae, right? It was that phosphorescent stuff that gets churned up in the wake of a big ship, and it was, it was, it was just leading me home. And now, if my cockpit lights hadn't shorted out, there's no way I'd have ever been able to see that. So uh, you, uh, you never know what, what events are going to transpire to get you home.
2: I like that last comment. He said, the events that transpire to get you home. I cannot stand here this morning and tell you the events that will transpire in your life before God calls you home. I believe that many will be supernatural, like fluorescent algae in the Sea of Japan that he talked about, or a text, or a call. Or some explained happening, perhaps caused by an angel. Isn't it, isn't it amazing what the Holy Spirit does if you let him work, if you let him do it? I was uh, having a moment this, this week, and I got a text from my brother here that well, he said, I love you. That came at a good time. You were listening to God. But it, it happens to us, and we cannot be so hurried and rush things through so much that we blow that off because it, it comes in a divine moment that God has you reaching out to somebody. But I can tell you in full confidence that God knows because he loves each of us. He loves you with a love that's beyond any human understanding. And because of this great love for you, He wants to bring his purpose to pass in your life in ways that will astonish you, simply astonish you. You think back, I don't know about your past, but man, oh man, I think back of mine when I was, say, 18, 19 years old. There is no way that I could have ever figured out or even thought about a position that God has placed me in. This would have been the last place. Sadly to say, I could, <laughs> I could have even my, see myself incarcerated more than preaching. You know, that sounds crazy, but that's kind of the path I was on. It, it astonishes me when I look back at that. So we stay in step with him and keep trusting and refuse to give place to discouragement no matter what. We, ha- we have to do that. Can you agree with me on that this morning? That you have to fight discouragement because it'll, it'll, it'll get you down. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Here's the problem with you and I. A lot of times in the throes, in the midst of those plans... They seem like disaster to us. Man, Lord, are you kidding? You want me to quit this six-figure job to take this other job that doesn't pay hardly at all? It, It makes no sense, and that's just one instance. Lord, you want me to leave the place of my birth where I have all my friends and everybody that knows me, and I love it here. You're asking me to leave that? And, man, I tell you what, and that's, that's mild, some of the stuff that happens to us, but there are plans for good and not for disaster. That, that's the way we have to see that. And who in here this morning doesn't want a future and a hope? And God's offering that to you today right now, actually. Yes, sir. You know God's plan for your life? If you do, are you following? I, if you don't, seek his face and he will show you. And that, that's why we, as a church, as people that serve you as a staff, we, we want to help you do that. That's why we yammer so much about life development. It's, it's all about your next step. Our next life development classes are on September 21st and September 28th at 7 p.m. One-on-one's the first entrance into membership. If you hadn't taken that, put your name down, pray about it, take it, do it. If you need 201, take it, and these are progressive. 301, you need to take it. If you haven't taken 401, you need to take that, and 501, you need to take that. These are opportunities for you to grow. We do not want you <laughs> on that day in the future standing before the throne, and God's asking you these questions, and you say, Man, Lord, them not heads of crossroads, they didn't teach me squat. We don't, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear. Well, you know what? We grew because we listened to the pastor, even though it was a stretch. But we listened, and we took those classes, and, and we, 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 we became members that we, we, we learned how to mature by Bible study and prayer. We, we, uh, we learned our gifts and where to get plugged in. We learned our mission in life, and then we learned how to worship. That, that is the, that's what these classes teach. And, and I know many of you are stuck in the middle somewhere, but I, I implore you, I ask you on bended knee this morning, if you've not taken that next step, to sign that card and make every effort to come and be a part of that. God's promises for you today, he is speaking these words to you through this servant. So I want you to open your heart right now. I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. and God is speaking these to you. He's saying them to you directly. I will come to you, ask me. I will do all the good things I promised for you. I will bring you home again. The plans I have for you are for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. When you pray, I will listen. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found. I will end your captivity. And finally, I will bring you home again to my home. Man, Lord, thank you for those promises. I pray, God, that they went to the quick of our heart, that they have embedded themselves there, that we will remember them. If need be, we'll go back and read them again and again and hold them as our own, because you are such a good, good Father, and you love us so much, Lord. May we return that love. So right now, fathers, you deal with hearts. May we leave this place in peace and in freedom, for we ask in the name of Christ. You need prayer this morning, friends. There's folks up here that love you and want to pray for you. You need Jesus this morning. You can come. You can accept him in your seat. But if you do, let us know. We want to, we want to help you. We want to baptize you and love you. So, I've said this before, but in my up and down walk with Christ, I've spent hours at the altar, actually. Yeah. Nobody thinks nothing of it when you come up here. I want you to know that. They're happy. They're happy for you. They're happy that God has given them an opportunity to surround a brother or sister and pray for them and love on them. So don't ever let that hold you back. You know, I'm like Paul. I'm the chief of sinners. So you can't come up here and confess something That will mess me up because I've already been there down that road. Love you guys. are speechless in your presence. And what a great thing it is to bask in your love, to see you at work in our lives. That you are fond of the likes of us and who we are. It is because of you, Jesus, and we give you praise and honor and glory for that this morning. Help us to leave this place free, lighthearted in the fact that we are on your path. And regardless where you lead us this week, you're going to go before us, and you're going to fill us, Holy Spirit, with the strength to go and do whatever you ask us to do. Help us to be obedient children this week, for we ask all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.
0: Well, as we lead out this morning, thank you for being a part of our worship. We just want to remind you that Jesus Christ is a chain breaker. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, if you've been trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain-taker. If you feel lost, he's a way-maker. If you need freedom a saving, he's a prison-shaking Savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain-breaker. For the light of day and the dead of night We've all found ourselves worn out From the same
1: old fight We've all run to things we know That just ain't right Oh, there's a better life
0: Believe it, come on, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify if you believe it, if you can see it, if you can't feel it, somebody testify, testify, come
1: on, if you believe it. Receiving, if you can feel it, somebody testify You got.
0: God bless you as you're going out. Remember, God has a way and a plan for your life. God bless you. We'll see you.
1: In the weirdest places, broken souls with smiling faces, fighting for surrender, for now and the after, yeah. Just look around and you see that people are scared to say how they really feel. Oh, we all need a little Prove yourself. Don't try to be someone else. You. never supposed to be this way There's nothing you could ever do to lose what grace has won. that's Something for years I was scared of it, we can't be sure when it will subside, so I won't leave your side, no I can't leave your side, Pain, hey now this is my desire, consume it like a fire, Cause I just want something my desire, consume me like a fire, cause I just want something beautiful. Tomorrow holds I'm learning how to let it go Jesus you are choosing celebration breaking into freedom you're the soul you're the soul of our hearts we cast aside our shadows trust Joy, 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 widen my soul. The joy, joy, joy. I'm broken, I am running into your arms of love, into your arms.
7: Your sin runs deep Your grace is more Grace is found Is where
0: Good morning, Crossroads. Good to see you this morning. I hope you're glad to be in the house. We are, uh, how about that weather out there? I'm telling you, not everybody is getting this weather in the United States. Is that You know that, right? I mean, in fact, let's just stand up. And I'm going to just say a word of prayer just to get us started off. We serve an everlasting God. Amen? Lord, thank you for our day, our weather the chance to be able to come into this place. Lord, you've given us health and strength this morning to be here. I pray that we'll glorify you, giving you our heart's praise. Lord, we love you, for you are the everlasting God. You never fail. You never change. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, come on.
4: Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. Amen. Amen. Crossroads, good morning. How are you all doing this morning? We have a scripture as we're going to open service this morning as we come together uh, for service this morning. We're going to look at the 95th song and it says, Come, let us sing sing to the Lord. Let us shout uh, joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come With thanksgiving, let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The seas belong to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are his people who who he watches over. He takes care of the flock that are under his care. As we reflect on this 95th Psalm. I hope you hear me, church. We are called into the presence of God. We are to exalt him when we come with joy, thanksgiving, music, and song. As we affirm that he is a great God, our maker, our shepherd, we are expected to be welcomed into his presence because we are under his, under his uh, control. We are his flock and he cares for us and we are rich in his spirit because we belong to God, and so we have called and paused to come together this morning to worship our Lord and Savior. Are there any worshipers in the house this morning? Just give the Lord some praise for a few seconds. Let him know how thankful you are to be under his care, to be his child, and how thankful you are, and how much joy is in your heart for everything he has done for you. I say bless his holy and divine name. Amen. Listen, church, uh, we, we do this every week. When I do announcements, um, we are to be welcoming, right, to folks who we haven't seen in our worship, who might come for the first or the second time. You know, we are told in the Bible that we need to be careful how we entertain angels because they can be in our midst underwear. So if somebody is new in the house... Would you please let them know that they are welcome here. We are glad they have come into the house where we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How about that, church? We serve a mighty, mighty good God. And so, look, if you're here this morning for the first time, look, we are so glad you're in the house this morning. And we just pray that you feel the spirit of the Lord in this place as we worship the Lord together. Amen. I'm just going to touch on a few announcements real quick. Uh, we have the Corn Festival coming up the 14th through the 17th. Uh, the sign up sheets are not on the table this week, but let me tell you how many people signed up last week to help with the Corn Festival. Two. Two. <laughs> so we need a little more help, okay? So please, if you're interested in helping out, volunteering for the Corn Festival, please, ma'am, please, sir. Come and help out with the corn festival, amen. And then next, on September the 18th, listen, we are having baptism here. If you're interested in being baptism, please write your name on the card, call the front office, and we will baptize you here on the 18th. Baptism is a wonderful time in the church because we are to celebrate like heaven celebrates when one gives their life to the Lord, amen? Amen. amen. How many people in here love God today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of lovers of God in the house this morning. So we're going to get a video clip, and we're going to continue in worship, Pastor Eddie is going to do communion, so if those of you in the balcony who want to participate, please grab the communion stuff. I think it's off to the sides uh, before we go into communion. Amen? And also this, communion is a service. It's a service. And so we're to have the right attitude when we come into that service this morning. Amen? I bless his name.
3: If Christians gave just this one area, just financially, the way that Jesus would want us to, it would have such an amazing effect on the whole world. And I'm not just talking about all the people we could help you know, and feed and get them the water and everything else, I'm talking about the cynicism that we see towards the church in the United States. Flying out here, person next to me, just, why does he reject God? I've seen it all. My buddy that came with me sat with another guy. Why doesn't that guy believe in God? Same type of thing. Everyone's pointing to these believers who, yeah, he calls himself Christian, but I don't see anything. They don't see a compassion, they don't see a love. They see us say that we hold to certain beliefs and a certain theology, but they don't see us really loving people to the point where we give to them sacrificially And I think just that one thing, because the world loves their money so much that it really is shocking to them and a light to them when they go, you really don't care. You just gave that away joyfully. You really believe you're going to be rewarded in the next life. You know, whether they believe it or not, at least now they're rejecting a a true example. Um, Right now there's just... People laugh at what we call church, what we call Christianity. And so if we could get churches to really seek to live out this kind of loving, generous giving, I think it's gonna have a huge impact on the world. Jesus talked about money so much, so it doesn't make any sense to say, let's talk about spiritual things, not money. Uh, that's like, okay, so then Jesus wasn't real spiritual. You know, and, no, he talked about it all the time. It's, Jesus was, when you, when you look at the things that he would say to people, he was very concrete. See, we like, in, a, in America, we like to make spirituality almost um, something you can't measure. We would make it very abstract. Like, oh, I feel this. God, he's just in me, I just know it, you know, and and well, where's the fruit, you know, where's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, the the words that Jesus uses, the words that John uses, the words that James uses, is this like, well, you say this, you say this kind of ethereal, abstract, oh, I love people, but scripture would say, but if you love them, you wouldn't just say, oh, I love you, go warm and be fed, you would actually give them some food and put some clothes on their back. You would do something practical, something we could see. And and, you know, you, and, and at the same time, he says, you're not going to be like the Pharisees who do things just to be seen. And so we're not talking about that. But true, true spirituality is going to lead to some sort of action. Like, I, I'm trying to think. It may have been Amy Carmichael who said, you can, you can give without loving but you can't love without giving. I thought, ooh, that's good. (laughs) You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. We can say, oh, I'm so loving this, that. Well, if you were, you would give.
2: like to celebrate. That's a good thing. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and other things. But I know as far as the on the calendar of followers of Christ, there's, there's a couple of dates. You know, I, I think we put a lot of emphasis on Christmas. I think the most emphasis should be put on Easter. <laughs> but a lot of times we do put it. But here's the thing that's amazing about our Lord. You can't find in here where he said, you know what? I want you guys to, to to have a have a big celebration on my birthday. You know, it's it's it... no, but he did tell us to remember his death and resurrection because there's power in the blood of Christ, and that's that's why he said that. We take communion. We come to the Lord's table uh, to remember his great sacrifice for us. One of the things that we have to remember as humans that walk this earth we live in a polluted world and we are flawed creatures and we are reminded of that daily. We get out in the world and we're around people that we're to love and to minister to but sometimes some of that worldliness gets gets hooked to us. And, um, a lot of times when we come to worship God reminds us of that and the Holy Spirit says you know what there's some stuff that, that you did this week or that you said that You probably need need to get rid of that before you can really truly worship me. And it's that way with communion. Paul was really explicit in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. He says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. He tells us that if there's sin in our life, that we need to confess that. He also talks about ill feelings among the brothers and the sisters. That if there is somebody within the body of Christ that you have a, a tiff with, that you're upset with, that you need to take care of that before you take communion. That's right. That's right. So here's what I'm asking you to do this morning. If you've got ill feelings for somebody in here, I, I'm not going to ask you to get up and, and do it now, but... I want you to ask forgiveness and at the end of this service I want you to go to that person say you know what I've had this this ill feeling towards you that God has really laid on my heart that we need to clear this up so would you bow your head with me right now and in this moment so let the Holy Spirit take his bright light and search through your heart and whatever he exposes you just ask the Lord to forgive you for that we realize who we are and I don't have to remind us of our sinfulness sometimes and getting out of line and not obeying you you do that Holy Spirit and I'm thankful I'm thankful I'm not in charge of that I wouldn't do a very good job but you do an excellent job because there's nothing hidden from you that everything is exposed and in the light which is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you point that out to us and when you bring it to our hearts, Lord, I pray that, that we just, we just uh, plead uh, mercy and grace and ask for forgiveness and you take care of it please, please. because of what you have done for us. Yeah. Lord, it's sometimes hard for us to picture your body broken and bleeding. Yeah. And it, it, it's even a harder sell is when we realize that it's my sin, yeah. that, you, that it's our sin that yeah. why you inflicted those marks in your body and yeah. Man, oh, man, we don't like to think about that, but it is what it is, and that's what it is, Father. You've sacrificed yourself for us. So right now as we come to this Holy Supper, this sacred table, that it might not be out of tradition or something that we always do, but it it might have meaning every time we do it. It might cement the fact, Lord, of how much you love us and how much we love you. So right now, Father, I pray that this is a meaningful moment for all the folks that know you and love you in here, Lord, because this is for your children. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Reminded that old Him, what can wash away my blood, or what can wash a more my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Father, I, I thank you for your blood that flowed down on that tough, tough hill that that day so long ago. A lot of people don't like the sight of blood. I'm not nuts about it, but when I think about that blood life-giving blood, soul-cleansing blood, Lord. I praise you for that, that you did that sacrifice for the likes of me and my brothers and sisters here, for all those in the world, Lord, that acknowledge you. So right now, Father, as we take this cup, may we remember your death and resurrection, for we do ask it in your name. Amen. In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it.
5: Back and put things into perspective. We all have responsibilities, we have schedules, And daily agendas. They require a plan, a scheme or method of action laid out in advance. But these plans, they begin to own us, to dictate our lives, how we spend our time. They begin filling up our lives with the things that we deem important, things that define who we are. But what about you? What's making up your agenda? What's your plan? Because there's a creator who knows you, loves you, and has a plan and a purpose for why you're here. He knows you so well that he even knows the number of hairs on your head. So why not give the agenda of your life to the one who's already made it?
2: that you are diligent to pray for our folks on our prayer list. We put them there, and people have faith in us that we'll pray for them. Would you bow with me? I I want to lift those names up to you now. Lord, we lift all those names up right now. You knew who they are and what's going on in their lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, as you go to them, they acknowledge you. And for all the folks that's in here this morning, Lord, that have a burden and a care that are hurting, I pray that you would touch them as well. I pray for the Bradbury family as they mourn the loss of their mother. I pray for my friend Cody who's struggling right now, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd fill him with you. Just let him know how much you love him and his family loves him, and there are people lifting him up for him and his family as well. And for a young man that lies at the edge of death up in northern Illinois. A young man that some of us have got to know. Josh's best friend and Clint's friend as well and many others here that he come down and lived among us and now Lord you're getting ready to call him home at a premature age. I pray for his family father as that hour approaches. that I know it's tough and it about rips your heart out, but I just pray that you give him peace and comfort in that. And I thank you for this young man's life, Lord. He's had some struggles, but in the heart of hearts, I do believe he knew you, and that's all that matters. So right now, I just pray for that family. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Clint, I thought about you when it talked about that... Uh, hairs on your head because it's easy to count yours. I can count them from here. So anyhow, uh, well, that's why he loves Francis Chan because he has no hair. It doesn't make any difference what he says, but uh, nonetheless, but uh, yeah, I like to give you guys a hard time. I'm sorry for that, but uh, it's like the video said, do you know God's plan for you? Can you say with confidence this fine September morning that you're 100% sure of what God has for you? That you can set and articulate that to each other. This is God's plan that, that He has laid out for me. And if you know, are you staying on in step with God and are you allowing the Holy Spirit to count cadence? You know, I talked about being in step with God the last few Sundays and counting cadence. Him Joel instructors left, right, left, right. They turn you to take a right or a left or to stop about face. I never was good at about face. But they had this they had this step when you were Martin called right a black or left, and it was kind of a catty corner. Always that was that was cool, but I messed it up, and sometimes if you mess up, you get thumped. But God doesn't thump us when we mess up, or we'd all be knotheads. You agree with that this morning? I do, actually. Especially this one. If you don't know God's plan for your life, I do believe this big idea is for you. We need to know God's plan for you. We all need to know that. So I implore you this morning, beloved, to seek God's face and Please, have a great desire to know God's plan for you and then then follow it. Because here's what I found. That's where the greatest blessings are. We we talk a lot about comfort zones. And if you liken that to this carpet that, you know, when I'm in here, I'm calling the shots. And I I don't really get nervous. I'm not anxious about anything. And God says, well, I want you to step off that. And I want you to step out where you're stepping in faith with me and on me. And I am ordering your paths, not yourself. That is the point. And that's, 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 where, that's where real life in the Spirit is found. Life in the Spirit is found here to a degree, but it's nothing like it is out here, you see. And, and I see the faith, or it's been in my life, an adventure of unparalleled excitement and fulfillment. If you decide to obey and follow God, it, it's like no other. Because I say this a lot, and I'm like a broken record sometimes, but as you follow Christ and you are obedient, you never know where he's going to ask you to go or what he's going to ask you to do. There is no place, nothing off limits to God if he calls you there because he will prepare the way, and he'll give you the strength at that time to fulfill whatever that might be. And sometimes we, you know, we think, man, I'm not worthy enough. It's like old Moses making all those excuses to God. I'm not worthy for God to have a plan. Well, I disagree with you. The prophet Jeremiah wrote these words for the children of Israel, inspired words of God that was told to speak in the vernacular of the day so his, God's people would understand and obey them, actually. Here's one thing I like to say a lot when we go into the Old Testament. It is the Old Covenant, and the New Testament is the New Covenant, but we have been grafted in. You know, the Jews rejected Christ so us Gentiles were grafted into the body. So I believe the words of God are for us in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 29 especially. 29.11 says this. I believe they're relevant today. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Remember, friend, you are redeemed. You are have great worth to God. Each and every person here has great worth to God. You can't imagine what you're worth to God, actually, right. regardless of your past. You realize that nothing shocks God. And since I've been in the ministry, some of the things that, that I've had people say to me and across from my desk, I, you, you cannot shock me today. I've pretty much heard it all. And in that, when people say these things, it's, sometimes it's a, it's a knife in your heart because you love them and you just can't believe that they're in that situation or, or that they have this sin to confess or this heinous crime that they've even committed. It, it's, it, 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 it works on me because I love them and I, I hate to see that in their life. Nothing shocks God or catches him off guard. That's right. He didn't panic when Adam sinned in the garden, he had a plan. He didn't freak out when the world grew so sinful that he had to send the flood to cleanse it and start over again because he had a plan. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't make him gasp. He had a plan. When Jonah ended up inside the whale, God wasn't thrown. That's because God always has a plan, and he's got one for your life as well. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 29, we find the children of Israel in captivity because of the consequences of their sin. God promised they would not be there forever, that he would bring them home. It's interesting. it's interesting to know or to read here how he told them to live in captivity. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 14. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, sends this message to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes, plan to stay. Plant gardens, eat the food you produce. Marry and have children and find spouses for them and have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of Babylon. Pray to the Lord for that city where you are held captive for if Babylon has peace, so will you. I had a thought this morning as I read this scripture where the child of God is planted in your neighborhood, wherever you live, you are supposed to bring a blessing into that neighborhood because Jesus flows through you. You should be the best neighbor ever. You should be the most friendly and most compassionate neighbor ever. That was the point behind that, and that is what God was saying. Most of us, if we're in captivity, we go around all along faced and whining, griping and complaining. God says, just live a normal life. I'll get you out of here. Verse 8, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, Do not let the prophets and mediums who are there in Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams, because they prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. The truth is that you will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity, and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. So in these verses, God gives nine restoration promises. I do believe they apply to us today. We who are in some form of captivity especially, a captivity of consequences caused by our sin and disobedience to God, our Father. It's always amazed me over the years that I have met people that Bowed the knee and their heart to Christ, and they were held captive by an addiction, a habit, something that was not good for them. But they, they didn't lay that at the feet of Jesus. They get up and they keep walking, trying to walk this path, held in captivity that keeps them all they can be from living for Jesus. I, I, I was one of them. I, I know that. I've lived that. I understand that. But regardless of what put you in that captivity, Regardless how long you've been there, first, God wants you to know that he is where, there with you to get you through it, and secondly, he wants to lead you out of it as you follow his plan for your life. God is in the restoration business. He redeems and he restores you and I today just as he did his people Israel all those years ago. Here's these nine promises that God made. I truly believe they're for us as well. Verse 10, God promised. I will come. Secondly, I will do all the good things I promise. And thirdly, I will bring you home again. Verse 11, promise four, the plans I have for you are for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, number five, when you pray, I will listen. Verse 13, number six, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. verse 14, the last three, I will be found. I will end your captivity. I will bring you home in my time. Regardless of your captivity, God has a plan for your life, and these promises are for us, especially designed for you. I do believe that in our lives that there are custom-made plans for each one of us because we're all gifted different. We can all do things different. And your plan's detailed, it's timely, it's well-oiled, it's perfectly orchestrated. And when you fully grasp it, you'll be thrilled. It will make you excited because God had called you into this adventure. The Bible says he has plans to prosper and not to harm you, to give you hope and future. Boy, sometimes it's hard to see God's hand at work, is it not? Especially when with trouble's knocking on your door in the form of a diagnosis that you dreaded. A disobedient or a runaway child. A partner who wants out of a marriage or a financial setback you're not sure that you'll survive. Or a mistake or mistakes from your past that are trying to hold you back, hold you captive. When the crisis you're facing makes you want to throw in the towel, remember that our problems become God's opportunities. He loves to transform the most costly mistakes into priceless gems of wisdom, our bruises and bleeding places into great strength, and our deepest fears into unshakable faith. Once we start seeing him as part of his master plan, and then his master plan is to someday call you home to the Father's house. I always try to envision, and I'll probably never come close, what it was like with hanging out with Jesus and being with him every day. Eating, sleeping, going through the daily activities right there beside, by his side. And I can't imagine what it was for the disciples and what a great security that they, the presence of Christ brought into their lives because look what they had seen him do, raise people from the dead, heal all manners of diseases, and they, that was security to them. One of them gets hurt and breaks his arm. Hey, Jesus, can you fix this arm for me? Man, I caught out with a cold. I got a sinus infection. Can you take care of that? I bet he did just to show that he loved them. Didn't do it to show his power because they'd already seen it. Well, the day came when he said, boys, i got to go back to the father. i got to go home. Can you imagine how messed up that made them? I, back to borrow a 60s term, man, bummed them out. Here's were the words that he brought to them to comfort them, the words that I use in a lot of celebration services because they are the best. John 14, verses 1 through 4, don't be troubled. You trust now. God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my Father's home, and I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know where I'm going and how to get there. Yes, then Thomas's famous question. Man, Lord, we don't know. We don't, he, he explains it. And then he comes down to John 14, 6. The anchor of my faith. It's everything that I am, that I do, that I talk about, that I believe. It's anchored in John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. Doesn't matter. You can argue till the cows come home on different faces. It's irrelevant to me because Jesus Christ, God was sent on, said, I am the way and the truth. No one, absolutely no one comes to the Father through me. That's why I believe what I believe. That, that's what we have. That's what I do believe we have to believe. It's our foundation. This is where we start with people. We've had many discussions on essentials and non-essentials. Essentials are: this is the infallible Word of God. It comes from straight from heaven, and He used mortal men to write it under the power of the Holy Spirit. That is an essential. Another essential: that Jesus Christ was God with skin on. Now, there's a lot of non-essentials that we add on that that we can disagree on and be brothers and sisters in Christ and win the world to Jesus. That's our point. That's why we're here. But that, my friends, that is is my anchor. And this is what we do. We, We stand on that until that day when our room is ready and God calls us home. And we live daily on this earth. Sometimes it does feel like it gets in a drudgery into a routine, but I do believe if we stay tight with Jesus and that Holy Spirit is active in our lives, I think we can make every day an adventure in Christ. I do believe that. In the morning, when you open him eyes, hopefully, you see God. It's It's God in the morning when you wake up. And you say a little prayer before you get out of bed. I always say this one prayer before my feet touch the the ground. Lord, save me today from Eddie. Save me from me. Save me from the old nature that comes creeping up that doesn't want to, to go your path. It's my first prayer. And then it's great to try to pray that armor and to put it on it because you're going into battle. We live in a fallen world. And to get ready for the day's activity. Because you and I never know what's going to happen that day, do you? We don't know what's involved. I can't tell you what will transpire in your life before your final hour comes and God calls you home on this earth. I don't know that. We'd probably shudder if we did. But I do know this, that God is real. And as we go through these times in our lives and we got a hold of his hand that that he's he's going to lead us through it, and we're not going to be alone. When I was a kid, about every Thanksgiving and around Christmas, they start showing The Wizard of Oz on TV. Half of us in black and white, and then finally, when color came, and Dorothy landed or got in Oz, you know, that color came. What I'm alluding to is the end of the movie, end of the show. She wanted to go back to Kansas. What'd she do? <laughs> click those heels. It's no place like home. No place like home. You ever said that about heaven? No place like it. We read about it, try to get a, get a feel, but we can't come close. If you had the chance, would you go today? I always, I always like to ponder that thought. And I love you guys, and I love my family, and, but boy, on some of those days when you're hurting, When you've had a crisis, when I feel for you, when my heart is broken, boy, I wish I could click those heels. Maybe it's a coward's way out. I don't know. But nonetheless, as we think about what God has planned for us, there's no place like God's house. No place. Apollo 13 was a seventh-man mission in the American Apollo space program, and the third intended to land on the moon. The craft was launched April 11, 1970, at 1113 Central Standard Time from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. But the lunar landing was aborted after an oxygen tank exploded two days later, crippling the service module, upon which the command module depended. Despite great hardship caused by limited power, loss of cabin heat, shortage of drinking water, and the critical need to make makeshift repairs to the carbon dioxide removal system, the crew returned safely to Earth on April 17th. The movie based on this incident was released on June 30th, 1995. Tom Hanks plays Jim Lovell in this. And while they are in space and their families waited with bated breath, they show this, they interview, they show an old interview of Jim Lovell on TV made before his space flight. And he talks about the faith of finding the way home. It's, it's, it's touching. Let's watch.
6: Apollo 13 Commander Jim Lovell has more time in space, almost 24 days already, than any other man. And I asked him recently if he ever was scared. Oh, well, I've had an engine flame out a few times in an aircraft and was kind of curious as to whether it was going to light up again, things of that nature. But, uh, they, they seem to work out. Is there a specific instance in an airplane emergency when you can recall fear? Uh, well, I tell you, I remember this one time I'm, uh, I'm in a Banshee at night in combat condition, so there's no running lights on the carrier. Uh, it was a Shangri-La, and we were in the Sea of Japan, and my, my radar had jammed, and my homing signal was gone because somebody in Japan was actually using the same frequency, and so it was, it was leading me away from where I was supposed to be. And I'm looking down at a big black ocean, so uh, I flip on my map light, and then suddenly zap everything shorts out right there in my cockpit. All my instruments are gone, my lights are gone, and I can't even tell now what my altitude is. Uh, I know I'm running out of fuel, so I'm thinking about, uh, about ditching in the ocean, and I, I look down there, and then in, in the darkness, there's this, uh, there's this green trail. It's like a long carpet that's just laid out right beneath me, and it was the algae, right? It was that phosphorescent stuff that gets churned up in the wake of a big ship, and it was, it was, it was just leading me home. And now, if my cockpit lights hadn't shorted out, there's no way I'd have ever been able to see that. So uh, you, uh, you never know what, what events are going to transpire to get you home.
2: You never know the events that will transpire to lead you home. Like I said, I can't stand here this morning and tell you what events will transpire in your life that God will use to bring you home. I believe many of them will be supernatural, like fluorescent algae on the Sea of Japan, or a text, or a call, or an unexpected happening, perhaps, even caused by an angel. When the Holy Spirit lays the name on your heart, don't brush it away. Don't be too hurried to not do anything about it. God does that for a reason. Whether it's to pray, whether it's to encourage, whether it's to give him a call. Uh, this brother sent me a text this week, and all he said, he told me I love me, but it came at a good time for me. I appreciate that. It, he was obedient. But that, that's the way that it works. And many of you have done that as well, and I, and that's the way God works. Sometimes we just think we come up with it ourselves. We're not that smart. Amen. It's a God thing. You, you know that. You, you've been laid in bed before at night, and... That, that thought comes to you that you need to pray for somebody and I hope you do it. Don't, don't ever stop doing that because that, God, God wants us, he wants us to do that. He loves us with a love that's far beyond any human understanding. That's right. And because of this great love for you, he wants to bring his purpose to pass in your life in ways that will astonish you Diane and I, was, we, we talk about a lot of things like that, but we talked about the past, and I revert back in, in, in my own life because I lived it is back when I was 18, 19 years old and uh, a lot more insane than I am now, actually. but When I think of that time period, if, if somebody would, would tell me that somewhere down the road that I would be here doing this, I'd have, I'd have knew they were just had completely lost their mind. God calls us into thing that astonishes us. Regardless of our past, he brings us in, he changes us, he puts our feet on this path, and we do things that we could never imagine that we did because we're not doing it. We're open and we're willing and we're pliable and wet clay in the hands of a living, active God, and that's how it comes to pass. So we've got to stay in step with him, keep trusting and refuse to give place to discouragement no matter what. I want you to do that. Do not give way to discouragement because it is a dead end street. Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the plans I have for you says the Lord they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Yes, but in this passage where it says, not for disaster, a lot of times God will come to you and ask you to do something that you, don't, you really don't want to do, that it is not in your paradigm. It is not something that you really want to do when God comes and says, hey, I want you to give up this six-figure income job, and I want you to come over here and work for this a lot less amount. Man, Lord, are you nuts? I don't want to do that. God says, "I'm not asking if you want to. I'm ask, telling you to do it. That's the difference, you see." Or, man, Lord, I I love where I live. I love my house. I love my family. I love my neighborhood. And you're asking me to move four, five, six hundred, thousand miles away? Are you? I don't get this. This seems more like a disaster. But in all that, the old nature takes over and whispers in her ears, "You you don't have to do this." But we missed the last part of this verse because God is asking us to do this to give you a future and a hope. Your future and your hope lies in strict obedience to God. And that's that's where we have a problem sometimes. Who in here this morning doesn't want a future and a hope? God is offering it to you right now. Do you know God's plan for your life? If you do, are you... Obeying and living it and following it. If not, seek his face. We here at Crossroads want to help you discover God's plan for you. We don't want you standing at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ someday. God says, Why didn't you grow? And you say, You know what? That stinking staff at Crossroads never gave me the opportunity to grow. They never had classes, they never did anything. Oh, we then got together and eat donuts and have a good time. Well, I don't don't want that coming out of your mouth because you know it's a lie. That's the problem. The fact is we do what we do here because of that. That's why we have life development. It's it's all about you taking your next step. Our next life development classes are on September 21 and 28. That's 7 o'clock. Mark your calendar. If you're stuck in the middle, you need to take one of them just, just get up out your seat and go do it 101 that's the first one that's a first class of membership if you haven't taken that you need to if you need to take 201 it's talk about maturity about how to grow you need to take that 301 is is about finding your giftedness and how you can be plugged in to serve God you need to take that 401 is about missions it's about what we're supposed to be doing in life as followers of Christ you need to take that and then 501's on how to worship, which is a great class. So you need to take those classes. There's an opportunity to grow in this. I always say you need to take whatever you do good and do it for God, but hopefully that will help you do that. God's promises are for you today. He is speaking directly to you. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes right now, I'd really appreciate that. I just want you to listen to these again and really focus on them. This is God speaking To you through this servant. And he is saying to you, I will come to you, ask me. I will do all the good things I promised. I will bring you home again. The plans I have for you are for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. When you pray, I will listen. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found. I will end your captivity. And finally, on that day, I will bring you home again. To my house, Father, I love you, and I thank you for these dear folks again. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as you have spoke to our hearts today, that whatever you have said, that we keep it there, we take it to heart, that we don't shed it when we leave this building, but it stays there. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue to bring it up, and bring it up, and bring it up, till we finally listen and finally do something about it, whatever you've asked us to do. Be relentless, Lord. You talk about the hounds of heaven, and I just sick them on these folks and myself as well, Lord, that that might happen. We just don't walk away and forget it, but it takes root, grows, and produces fruit, as Francis Chan said, and we thank you for that. So right now, Lord, as we close this service, I just pray that we are in a state of mind in our spiritual selves, that we've taken care of business, that we can leave this place free and in peace. Lord, I ask these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. I said this in the first service. I really didn't plan to say it, but you know, sometimes at, at the end of a service, the, the Holy Spirit grips your heart, and, and as I've said a thousand times, you can pray right where you're sitting, and that's, that's fine. But boy, I tell you what, there's just something about coming up here and having these brothers and sisters lay their hand on you in support and pray for you. It, it, I spent a lot of time at the altar when I was when I was struggling trying to get on the right path and I've never regretted that and I want you to know this that when you get out of your seat and you come up here nobody thinks nothing about it't don't, don't be worried about what people think. who cares if they do but they don't that, that is the that is the thing that has amazed me about this church it's loving it's caring it's kind and it's the most non-judgmental place I've ever been, and I am proud of you guys for that. That is huge. So right now, just, just let God talk to you. If you need to be up here, just come on up, and we welcome you. God bless you. I love you.